Today we are talking about the love of God, and I wanted to accomplish two things. I want to give you a little message about God's love near the end of the sermon, but I wanted to begin by actually talking to you a little bit about Lottie Moon. Someone that we know her name. We've given an offering in her honor for many, many years at Southern Baptist. But how many of us really know the story of her life? Her story is a story of love. Charlotte Diggs Moon was born in 1840 in Virginia. She was the third of seven children. Her parents were committed Christians, Baptists, but her father died when she was just 13 years of age. Now, her mother was extraordinary. She instilled in all of her children a staunch drive, a fierce independence, an ambitious faith. Lottie was short in stature, only four feet, three inches tall. That's as tall as she grew to. But she was spirited, strong-willed, even defiant at times. Lottie would remark about her middle initial, Diggs, and she'd said that the D for Diggs really probably ought to stand for D for devil <laughs> because she was a little devil sometimes. In fact, her favorite thing to do was to play jokes, and one joke that she did was on April Fool's Day, she wrapped all the bells at the school so they wouldn't ring, and everyone was late for class. One of her Favorite things to do as well was, I mean, so many kids, you know, with seven children, you can kind of get lost in the shuffle. She would, um, when the family would be at church, she would sneak away and go home and make a big lunch for herself and just eat it. I mean, instead of going to church, she'd much rather be reading Shakespeare, writing her own poetry. So she was raised in the church. She knew the truth, yet she got to college and at that time, it was separated in South, male and female colleges. It was, it was basically the female version of the University of Virginia is where she went. And she was really rebelling against God, rebelling against what God had, had instilled in her through her mom and dad. But she came into the preaching of a minister named John Broadus, who was one of the founding professors of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And so John Broadus was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. She went to a evening campus revival meeting, planning to scoff about it in her own writing. But when she came home, all she could do was pray because God touched her heart through the gospel and Lottie Moon became a follower of Jesus Christ in college. She was a brilliant student. She took every class the college offered. John Broadus said she was the most educated woman in the South. She was one of the first women in the South to receive a master's degree. So at that time, the Civil War began. And while much of her family were involved, she remained home, tending after things there. But after the war, she began teaching, which was her love. She taught in Kentucky, and she even taught for one year just a few hours from here in Cartersville, Georgia, at a little school. And there's a monument there that you can read about if you go to visit Cartersville at that school. But while she was at Cartersville, her mother became very ill. And she went back to Virginia for the purpose of really just staying with her mom until her mom went to be with Jesus. And it was during those moments 
with her mom, whose faith was so strong that her mom and her talked about how short life is and how important it is to live your life for the sake of the gospel and make a difference for all eternity. And those conversations really stuck with Lottie Moon. Now, she had family members, even female members of her family that were spies in the Civil War, that were missionaries, that were executives. She had a sister who was the first licensed female doctor in the South. This was a remarkable family of very independent, ambitious, driven women to make a difference. She had a brother as well who was a doctor, but her sister who was a doctor actually served as a missionary for a short period of time in what was called Palestine at that time, which is modern day Israel. It was short term, her sister came back, but her younger sister in 1872 left Virginia and went as a single woman missionary to China. In 1873, Lottie Moon followed her sister and she traveled to China. She was 32 years old. When she got there, she immersed herself into learning the language. Now, her specialty when she was taking all those classes was writing and languages. And so God uniquely gifted her to learn the language there in China. And she kind of accompanied her younger sister who got there first and she helped her younger sister. Yet her younger sister had quite a few physical and emotional ailments. And her younger sister did not last there but just a few years. So Lottie went back home accompanying her sister for a brief furlough. And while she was there, a man came back into her life. His name was Crawford Toy. She had met him after school. He was a chaplain, in fact, in the Confederate Army. Crawford Toy was a brilliant Old Testament professor at Southern Seminary. Now, Southern Baptist Seminary is in Louisville, Kentucky now, but it used to be in South Carolina. And Crawford Toy was absolutely brilliant in his intellect. And so was Lottie. And so they really were a match and he came a calling. He came a wooing for Lottie Moon when she was back stateside for a few months. And when she left to go back to China, he wrote to her and wanted to marry her. And the plan was they would move to Japan as husband and wife and be missionaries there. Well, Lottie began to think through that and had conversations with him by letter, of course. He was a great writer. And she learned that when he was doing some higher education in Germany that he developed some more critical, theologically liberal views of Scripture. Lottie did not agree with his views of Scripture. In fact, he also held to Darwinian evolution. She researched that herself there and found it completely untenable with the Christian faith. She had issues with his theology. In fact, his issues with theology would actually cause him to be excommunicated from Southern Baptist Seminary as well. But before that happened, she was definitely in love with this man. But she basically said, no, I'm not going to marry you. And she called off the engagement. Later, years later, she was actually asked if she'd ever been in love. This was her response. She said, yes, 
But God had first claim on my life. And since the two conflicted, there could be no question about the result. She was called to minister in China. And so there she was in China. By herself, basically. Yes, there were other missionaries from America there with her. But she basically gave up her chance to get married. Her sister was no longer there. She was back home. And Lottie found herself feeling extremely isolated, lonely, and struggling. And she wrote about this in her letters back to the States. She also was running into some conflict with the existing missionary structure there in the home base of Tengchao, China. Um, Lottie was really an advocate that the female missionaries who were called of God to serve there in China, when it came time for, I guess, decisions or conducting missionary business about the future of the ministry, she said the women need to have an equal vote just like the men. I mean, she was really quite... I mean, radical for her time. And she, she wanted to have equality there in China among the missionaries. In fact, she um, also found herself kind of butting heads with the missionary leader. I'm telling you kind of the real story behind Lottie Moon you all hear about, all right? She was a strong-willed woman. She had a heart to go to the millions, in her own words, with the gospel. Yet she was frustrated because all she seemed to be doing, I'm going to quote what she said, was being tied down to the petty work of teaching a few girls. I mean, so she had this big, ambitious calling to go to people with the gospel and share Jesus with them. And she found herself just kind of tied to this work of just teaching just a handful of students in a Christian school. So she began to venture out from the missionary compound and go among the surrounding villages and there she would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And doing this evangelism became her passion. She wrote this, I quote, could a Christian woman possibly desire higher honor than to be permitted to go from house to house and tell of a savior to those who have never heard his name? A true missionary of the gospel. Lottie Moon was that. But in 1885, she did something extremely risky as a single woman in a foreign country. She moved from the missionary compound in Tangchao to a little village called Pingtu. She was the first American female single missionary to leave the covering or protection of a missionary group and actually go out to live among the Chinese people. It's remarkable what she did. Now, she wore their clothing. She spoke the Chinese language. She lived among the people. We've got a slide here I wanted you to see about her. So here, here's she, a picture, right? Here's a picture of her in the late 1800s. And she has a little jar and it's a cookie jar that was the way that she found years before when she would begin venturing out going to the villages and sharing the gospel you know here's this foreigner coming to this country telling folks about Jesus how did she warm them up well she baked cookies and she used those baked cookies 
as an avenue to show friendship, kindness, serve the people, and enter into conversations with them about the Lord Jesus Christ. She did this there in the village in Pengtu. She was in fact known in China and those villages as the cookie lady. <laughs> but even with the cookies, as good as they were, it was a long process of sowing seeds and building relationships and trust. Their culture was extremely separated men and women. And so it was difficult for her to have real impact with the men. And in fact, the women and children would not often follow her leadership if, if she hadn't won their men's respect. But the God, the Holy Spirit of God broke through 1887. So she, she took the step of faith in 1885, went to the village planted her life there, immersed herself in the people, sharing Jesus with them, baking cookies, loving the people. But in 1887, another village nearby, three men came. Three men. And those three men came to her. There's a picture of her in her older age with two of her missionary associates. <clears throat> but three men came to her and said, we've heard about this new doctrine among the women in our village. Come and teach us. And she had a choice to make. She was miles away from the missionary compound in Tangchow. There were, there were very few men that were, so, that were Baptists that were really even there as missionaries. In fact, she would often write back to the state saying, and said, there's 500 preachers in Virginia. Why can't we get any of them to come preach the gospel in China? Why is it just a bunch of single women here? She, she was very um, just direct and forceful and strong in her zeal for the gospel. And so Lottie Moon went to that village where there was no gospel witness. And when she got there, she was... Surprised, She writes this, something I'd never seen before in China. Such eagerness to learn, such spiritual desires. In fact, she had planned a furlough, a trip back to the States during this period of time. But she canceled it because she sensed how God was moving in their midst. God used her. In fact, he used her and she called for her former supervisor's wife there in Tangshao. I guess he was still her supervisor, but she was no longer there at the compound. He, she came and assisted Lottie. <clears throat> they raised up and found um, a, a, an indigenous pastor. They planted a church. And in the 20 years of the rest of her life, in that little village of Pingtu, their pastor whose name was Li Shu Ting, baptized over a thousand people. It was the largest evangelistic outpost for Southern Baptists in all of China. All because a little short lady who just was driven to take Jesus to everyone would bake cookies and go and share the gospel. But it was during this time of breakthrough, 1887-88, that Lottie wrote back to the States and had the idea of a week of prayer leading up to Christmas, then an offering to be taken up to fund more missionaries to China. This is what she wrote. I think we may have this, this actual quote, Ricky, in the, in the notes. Um, here's the quote that she said. 
Is not the festive season when families and friends exchange gifts in memory of the gift laid on the altar of the world for the redemption of the human race, the most appropriate time to consecrate a portion from abounding riches and scant poverty to send forth the good tidings of great joy into all the earth? Now, it wasn't called the Lottie Moon Christmas offering back then. But that's what it became. It became that every year. A week of prayer, gifts given for the sake of the gospel going forth. Now between 1890 and 1912, the last 20 years of her life, she kind of had two roles. She would spend time there at the missionary headquarters in Tang Chau. And she would counsel Chinese women. She would train missionaries. And then she would spend time, she was an avid reader, reading her Western books and magazines and articles and writing back to her friends in the United States. That was really the course of her life. And things kept growing and improving and increasing. Like I said, the, the village there in Pingtu, the over a thousand people baptized in 20 years. So things where the gospel was taking root and growing and things were great. She had a vision that God would raise up more missionaries and have a whole uh, section of missionaries at these, at these outposts all throughout China sharing the gospel. She had a vision to reach China with the good news of Jesus Christ. But things got really tough. At the turn of the century. It was because of geopolitical conflict. There was the Russo-Japanese War. 1904-1905. And later the Boxer Uprising. Lottie's health began to deteriorate. Her sister. That had been in China. But had gone back to the States. Committed suicide. In her bed. It was devastating news for Lottie to receive. Lottie herself was was concerned about the people who were impoverished in China. Many missionaries fled for safety against the war and the uprising, but she was called there. She stayed put. Her mental health, her physical health got work worse and worse. She got weaker and weaker, and, and her missionary associates finally realized that she was basically starving. They put her on a ship with a nurse for the purpose of her going back to the States to get uh, medical treatment, but she didn't make it back. She only made it to Japan, the port of a town called Kobe, Japan, and there Lottie Moon on Christmas Eve, 1912, died. Just one week after her 72nd birthday. Now the Women's Missionary Union back home in the States pledged to use this Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It wasn't called that yet, but they pledged to use it to retire the debt that the Foreign Mission Board currently had. That was in 1913. They were also resolved from then on to tell her story. And that they did. Dozens of people became missionaries because of Lottie Moon's story. The impact of Lottie Moon would only grow with each passing Year. The Lord brought a verse to my mind yesterday about Lottie Moon. It was John 12, 24. We don't have it on the screen, but it's John 12, 24. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And through her death, honestly, her legacy 
went forth in a remarkable way. That first offering in 1888 raised $3,315 that paid for three single female missionaries to China. This year, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goal is $160 million. Talk about an impact. Talk about a legacy. Talk about thousands of missionaries who are equipped and enabled to share the gospel through this offering every year, all in her name. Without question, Lottie Moon had tremendous love for God and love for the people of China. That's our theme today. Our theme is love. We've lit now four candles in the Advent wreath, the candle of hope, the candle of peace, the candle of joy, and now the candle of love. Tomorrow night we'll light the center candle called the Christ candle. Galatians 4.4. The Bible says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. God sent Jesus. At just the right time. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We hosted gift of love a few weeks ago. But the greatest gift of love was God sending his son Jesus. He sent his son the personification of love because God is love. And he sent his son Jesus into this world because of his great love for us, for the world. Let's go back to Galatians 4, 4 though. You can turn there in your Bibles if you want to. Kind of our core passage. So we know that in the fullness of time God sent his son Jesus into the world that God the Son became a man, a human being. Let's keep reading in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So there we find the whole reason for God sending His Son, Jesus. And it's that He might deliver us from slavery... And enable us to be his sons and daughters adopted into his family. That he would place within us the very spirit of Jesus that would well up inside of us to cry out, Abba. An Aramaic word that really means dad. Papa, father, an intimate term of love and adoration to the father. So God sent Jesus that Jesus, that his spirit might dwell in our hearts by faith. That we might then have a love relationship with our father. That that relationship that is broken by sin, broken by our rebellion might be restored. God sent Jesus to bring peace, hope, a reason to live 
Look at Romans 5, 5. Romans 5, 5 says, In hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I like that verse. As if liquid love is being poured into our hearts. It's not a liquid, it's the Spirit. The Holy Spirit poured into our hearts the love of God. God puts his love inside of us through the gift of the Spirit of Jesus or the Holy Spirit of God. It's remarkable. I hope you've seen kind of the common theme of all four of these sermons this month. The common theme really is receive. You receive the hope that comes from the gospel. You receive the peace of Christ. You let it reign within. We receive the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And then we receive the love of God for us in Jesus Christ by receiving his son. We receive that love. As we receive love, joy, peace, hope, then we live from that which we've received. I'm convinced the only way that Lottie Moon could do what she did in China was because she had an intimate love relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. She operated from her relationship with God, not for her relationship with God. We struggle with this. We want to do things for God and kind of operate in our own strength for God, yet we must operate from God from his grace within us, from his hope within us, from his peace and joy and love coursing through our physical bodies, our spiritual bodies, love being planted in our hearts. The Bible teaches this, 1 John 4, 16. 1 John 4, 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So we've come to know it, and we also now believe it. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. It's like that property in mathematics, right? A equals B and B equals C then A equals C, right? You see it. It's abide in love, right? Whoever abides in love then is abiding in God, and God abides in that person. If you're going to abide in love, you've got to abide in God. And if you abide in love, God's going to abide in you. It's just this beautiful cycle, this wonderful filling of God's presence in our lives. This morning, my prayer is that God would give us an infusion of his love. We need those daily infusions. Maybe you've been to an infusion lab at a hospital or a doctor's office for a sickness and they hook you up to an IV and, and they inject medicine into your veins directly. You get an infusion of medicine or blood or whatever. You're getting a, an infusion. We need daily infusions of God's love. A reminder of how much God loves us. In fact, the evangelist D.L. Moody was convinced if people could just know that God loved them. This is what he said. 
If we could really make people believe that God loves them, how should we find them crowding into the kingdom of heaven? The trouble is that men think God hates them. And so they are all the time running away from him. Here's what I found even about Christians though. I found that we know up here that God loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus died for my sins, I know it's true. But in our hearts, many times, we're not so sure. In fact, our lives, how we live, betrays whether we really believe that he loves us. Because we try to do things to earn his love. Or try to operate in our own strength and not abide in his love. I mean, how much does God love his son? I mean, how, think about that. Think how much you love your own children. Think about how much your parents loved you. Jesus prays for us in John 17, 26, that this love be in us. Look at this verse. I made known to them, that's us, your name. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Just think about how much God the Father, God who is love, loved his son. Who said to his son, you are my beloved son. You are, with you I am well pleased. God is pleased with you this morning. He loves you as you are. And he wants to pour that love into your heart this morning. How much does Jesus love his father? So much that he went to the cross in obedience to his father out of love for him, but also out of love for us. And Jesus prays to the Father that we would have that love and that he, Jesus, might be in us, which brings us back to Galatians 4, 4 through 7. That in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son that we might not be slaves anymore to sin, slaves to self, slaves to striving, slaves to fear, but that we might be sons and daughters of God, reconciled in a perfect Love relationship with him. That's the reason for Christmas, by the way. God sent his son Jesus. And he grew and he died on a cross for our sins. And that's the gospel good news that he died for our sins and rose from the dead. So we could be right with God. But the, don't miss that love relationship. It's not just that he covered our sins so we can go to heaven when we die. He covered our sins that we might have eternal life now. That we might enjoy communion with God, our Father, in relationship now. So a few days ago, I wanted to model this. I wanted to, I found myself just, I don't know, I just needed an infusion of the love of God. So God woke me up early one morning and I spent time in prayer and I just laid on the ground for about 30 minutes and just said, Father, I want you just to pour out your love. I just want to know your love. I want to receive your love. And I, I prayed and I sang songs. I quoted scriptures. I was quiet and I just remained in his love. And I'll tell you something, that, that day was the best day I had last week. It was the best day I had. 
My stuff would come up at work or stuff at home and stuff that would fluster me. I was just like grounded in his love. It was just amazing. And so I just want to challenge all of us this morning that God might infuse his love, remind us of his love. He can do that through songs, through scriptures, through sermons, through prayers, through friends, through gathering. May God help all of us as we come to him this morning.